In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that begins a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is Origin of Alexandria. Regarded as an ancient Christian writer, he undeniably influenced some of the great fathers of the Church, as well as believers and theologians throughout the centuries. He was the oldest of seven children, born around the year 185 into a very devout Christian family. In the year 202, a persecution of Christians erupted, and while many fled, Origen's family remained, resulting in the arrest and eventual execution of his father, Leonidas. At the young age of 17 or 18, Origen penned an exhortation to martyrdom to his imprisoned father with the intent of strengthening his father's resolve to remain steadfast in his witness to Jesus Christ. Following his father's martyrdom, Origen continued his insatiable thirst for knowledge and availed himself of some of the finest teachers in Alexandria. Origen soon discovered another love, teaching. While Origen was a gifted teacher in many fields of human knowledge, it was his love of sacred scripture that seized him to the core of his being. The local bishop eventually asked Origen to prepare catechumens for baptism within the context of the Alexandrian catechetical school founded earlier by Pantaneus and enhanced by St. Clement of Alexandria. Building on their foundations, Origen's contributions resulted in the Alexandrian Catechetical School becoming the premier center for Christian theology. Due to some difficulties with the local bishop, as well as an invitation from the bishops of Caesarea, Origen left Alexandria for the Holy Land. He produced even more commentaries on Scripture and honed his allegoric method for biblical exegesis while living in the Holy Land. In the year 250, 
Another round of persecutions erupted under the Emperor Dacius. Origen was imprisoned, and according to some of his biographers, Origen was tortured severely and then given a period to recuperate, only to have the pattern of torture and recuperation repeated. The emperor did not want Origen to die a martyr, but wanted to break his faith and commitment to Jesus. Such did not occur, and because of his faithfulness, history has bestowed upon him the title Adamantus, man of diamond, man of steel. When the persecutions ended and Origen was released from prison, he died about six months later, around the year 254. Origen was a prolific writer and homilist. Many of his writings are extant and on this Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from his work entitled On Prayer, wherein he ponders the gospel episode proclaimed at Mass today. Now, if Jesus prays and does so not in vain, since he gets what he asks for in prayer, when he might not have done so apart from prayer, which of us would neglect to pray? Mark says that in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. And Luke says he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, and elsewhere, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And John records his prayer saying, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The same evangelist writes that the Lord said that he knew you hear me always. And this shows that the one who prays always is always heard. But why should I draw up a long list of those who have gained the greatest favors from God through praying the way they ought? since it is open to anyone to collect more examples from Scripture for himself. For Hannah ministered to the birth of Samuel, who had been ranked with Moses. When she believed she was barren, she prayed to the Lord. And Hezekiah, still childless, when he heard from Isaiah that he would die, prayed that he would be adopted into the Savior's genealogy. Moreover, when the people were about to be destroyed by a single decree because of Haman's plot, the prayer Mordecai and Esther offered with fasting was heard and engendered in addition to the feast prescribed by Moses, a day of rejoicing 
given the people by Mordecai. Then too, Judith, by offering a holy prayer, prevailed with God's help. And one woman of the Hebrews brought shame upon the house of Nebuchadnezzar. And a moist, whistling wind did not permit the fiery flame to take effect. And Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were worthy to be heard and gain their request. And the lions in the Babylonian's den had their mouths stopped because of Daniel's prayer. And Jonah did not despair of being heard from the belly of the whale that he had swallowed him, but left the belly of the whale and fulfilled what was lacking in his prophecy to the Ninevites. If one of us remembers with gratitude the benefits he has received and wishes to offer God praise, how many of them would each of us have to recount in detail? For souls that have become, for the most part, barren, when they perceive the sterility of their own governing reason and the barrenness of their own mind, through persistent prayer, they conceive from the Holy Spirit saving words filled with visions of the truth, and they give birth to them. And because there are vast hosts of opposing power who war against us and wish to exterminate us from faith in God, how many armies march against us? But if we take courage from the fact that they call upon chariots and they call upon horses while we call upon the name of the Lord, then we shall see that in truth a horse is a vain hope for salvation. Moreover, the one who trusts in praising God often cuts in pieces even the chief captain of the adversary, that deceptive and plausible word, who makes many, even of those who suppose they are believers, cower in fear. And what must we say about all those who, when they have repeatedly fallen into temptations, hard to overcome and more burning than any flame, have suffered nothing from them, but have passed through them entirely unharmed, not even getting, as they ordinarily would, the harm of the smell of the hostile fire. Still more, among how many wild beasts made savage against us, evil spirits and savage men, have some fallen and have stopped their mouths with prayer, since they have not been able to strike their teeth against those of us who have become members of Christ. For often the Lord has crushed together the fangs of the lion for each one of the saints, and they have been set at naught like water that runs away. And we know that fugitives from God's orders who have been swallowed up by death, which at first prevails over them, 
have been saved through repentance from so great an evil, since they did not despair of being able to be saved, even though they had been made captive in the belly of death. For death has prevailed and swallowed them up. But again, God wiped away every tear from every face. I think that it was necessary for me to say all this after listing those who have benefited from prayer. For I wish to turn those who yearn for the spiritual life in Christ away from praying for little and earthly things and to urge those who read this treatise on to the mysteries of which I have said before were types. For every prayer for the spiritual mysteries reserved beforehand for us is always perfected by the person fighting not according to the flesh, but putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit, since those who seek for the spiritual meaning by careful examination are preferred above those who set before their minds on the basis of the obvious and literal meaning of the benefits that will come to those who pray. And we must train ourselves not to be childless or barren when we hear the spiritual law as spiritual people, so that putting aside barrenness and sterility, we may be heard as Hannah and Hezekiah were, and so that we may be delivered as Mordecai, Esther, and Judith were from their spiritual enemies sent by the evil one to plot against us. And since Egypt is an iron furnace, referring, referring symbolically to the entire earthly realm, everyone who flees the evil of human life and is not inflamed by sin or filled with fire in his heart like a furnace must give thanks no less than those who were tested in the moist fire. Moreover, the one who has been heard when he prays and says, Do not deliver the soul that has praised you to the wild beasts, and who has suffered no harm from the adder and serpent, because through Christ he has trod upon them and trampled them down, the lion and the dragon, by using the noble power given by Jesus to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and has been in no way injured by such great forces, this one must give thanks more than Daniel, because he has been delivered from more fearsome and harmful wild beasts. In addition, the one who has been persuaded of what sort of whale the one that swallowed up Jonah was a type, and who, who has understood what Job said, let him curse it who curses that day, who is about to conquer the great whale. If he should ever find himself through some disobedience in the belly of the whale, let him repent 
and pray, and he will come out of there. And if he comes out and is faithful in obeying the orders of God, he will be able by the kindness of the Spirit to prophesy to those who are now Ninevites on the brink of destruction and be for them a cause of salvation, since he did not despair of the kindness of God or seek that God should remain in his severity toward them when they repented. That mighty deed, Samuel, is said to have accomplished through prayer is something that everyone who genuinely relies on God can accomplish spiritually even now, since he has become worthy of being heard. For it is written, Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And then a little further on, it says, So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. For every saint and genuine disciple of Jesus is told by the Lord, Lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. In this time of harvest, the Lord does a great thing before the eyes of those who hear the prophets. For when the one adorned with the Holy Spirit calls to the Lord, God gives from heaven thunder and rain that waters the soul so that he who once was in evil may stand in great awe of the Lord and his minister of goodness, manifested as venerable and august by the requests that are heard. And Elijah, who shut up heaven for the wicked for three and a half years, later opened it. This too, is always accomplished for everyone who through prayer receives the rain of the soul since the heavens were previously deprived of it because of his sin. All holy men and women, pray for us. Let us pray. Keep your family safe, O Lord, with unfailing care, that relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go 
and announce the gospel of the Lord.